Today, I want to preach to you a message called Full House. Full House, and it's not what you think. Full House. It says in Acts chapter 1, verse 13, When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer. Now, we could stop there, couldn't we? And what you have, what I just read to you, are the remaining, at this point, apostles that were left in Jerusalem, the remaining apostles that were left after Judas hanged himself, after Jesus has ascended. Uh, If you keep reading on, which we're not going to go down that far, but if you keep reading on, you find that Matthias replaced Judas. But these are the 11 apostles of Jesus. And many people in the church world want to stop there and say these were the ones that were constantly in prayer. These were the ones who led the church of Jesus Christ. These were the ones that God appointed to lead the church. But the Bible doesn't stop there. Does your Bible stop there? Does your Bible stop there? Look at your Bible. Does it stop there? No. Let's keep reading. Let's start at verse 14. They all joined constantly in prayer along, and this is going to be your chance, ladies, Along with the women. Oh, that was your chance, ladies. I said, along with the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Now, I got to tell you, I'm not expressly preaching a Mother's Day message today. I am preaching a message on Mother's Day. But I'm not necessarily preaching an expressly Mother's Day message. But I thought it so appropriate that the Bible indicates by name the 11 apostles, and then later Matthias, who would lead the church and who would lead up to the day of Pentecost, but they made sure that they included Jesus' brothers, women, but especially Mary, and they identified, the scripture identifies Mary, the mother of Jesus. Can I tell every lady in the house, mothering is an important fact. Mothering is an important job. What you do matters. What Mary did, as most scholars believe, as a young teenager in raising Jesus into the man that he became, be assured that Mary's mothering helped Jesus become who he was as a man that walked this earth. I guarantee you. And so I just think it's incredibly important. And then I love the fact that the scripture that Luke, Dr. Luke, included the women. Can I just tell you this, and can I just go ahead and say this? Well, even if you say no, I'm going to say it anyway. In Christ, there is neither male nor female. What does that mean? Does that mean that God erases gender? No. What it means is, is that in him, we are all part of the body of Christ. Come on, somebody. I'm not going to take time to preach this and teach this, but I'm going to tell you that every woman is just as capable as any man to lead the church of Jesus Christ. I could show you that in Scripture. I know some of you don't agree with that. I could go through that. But I'm telling you, my aunt was one of those. My Aunt Lucille 
was a mighty woman of God. And my, my Uncle Buddy, yeah, that's, that's a pretty Texan name right there, West Texan name. My Uncle Buddy and Aunt Lucille preached the gospel across West Texas, uh, planted many churches. Pettit, Texas was one of those places. And they saw a mighty move of God wherever they went. But my Uncle Buddy, if he were alive today and standing here, would have told you that he wasn't the preacher. He was the behind-the-scenes guy. My aunt, Lucille, was the preacher of the gospel. And that woman preached the gospel like no one I've ever heard. I'm telling you, God uses women in powerful ways. Amen? All right, that's my Mother's Day message. Let's keep moving. After, after this, we find out immediately in Acts chapter 2 that something happens that we all know, but I want to read it. In Acts chapter 2, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a blowing like of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Everybody say whole house. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All, say all. I won't make you repeat everything, but say this. All, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Uh, let me remind you what I, what I told you a couple of weeks ago. That, that that word full or filled means filled up as a hollow vessel is full. Covered in every part. Thoroughly permeated with. Complete and lacking nothing. Lacking nothing. How many of you would like to lack nothing? Well, be filled with the Spirit in Jesus' name. When you are full of the Spirit, it's more than just an exercise of speaking in tongues or seeing some miracles or believing in healing. When you are full of the Spirit, you lack nothing in Him. Not one thing. He gives us everything we need for life and godliness. Everything. Everything. And at this moment in history, we've been studying Acts for the last... I don't know, we're probably going on six weeks now between Sundays and Wednesdays. And as we're going through this, I want to remind you that as you are full, you are complete in him. Acts chapter 2, verse 14, when Peter stood up with the eleven, he raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And verse 17 says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. There it is again. All your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I just can't let this go. I can't let this go. The Holy Spirit is the great equalizer in the church. He says, when you are filled with the Spirit, I'm going to pour out my Spirit on all people. Men, women, children, come on somebody, are even able to be filled with the Spirit. Skip down to verse 38. It says, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39 is so important here. The promise is for you 
and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. He says this promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit, this promise of salvation and then the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for you, your children, and for all who are far off. Let me explain that to you. Peter was saying it's for you. These people who were standing there, who were hearing the message, who heard the people speaking in languages that they knew they couldn't have understood within themselves, as they're speaking these languages, he said, this is for you. You can have this. It's available to you. If you repent, if you come to Christ, he will forgive you of all sins, and then that gift is available. It's next in the line. It's available for you. The gift of salvation, then the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's available to you. But he said, it's not just for you. It's for your children. That's really where the crux of this message is today. If we're going to be a house full of the Spirit, then we've got to recognize that even children have this gift available to them. And then he says another thing. He says, and to all who are far off, and, and, and many times that can sound like, well, you know, for 2,000 years later, and I say yes to that. But can I just take it down to family for a second? Not just for you, not just for your children, but for your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and your great-great-grandchildren and your great-great-great-grandchildren. Can I tell you, I know this. I've seen it. I understand it. Though I never met my grandfather, when he was saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit three weeks later, actually in the same meeting that my Aunt Lucille was saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit in, when she was about 14 or 15 years old, when they were saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit, my grandfather in 1934 started a chain reaction. And that chain reaction of blessing and favor went from him and then his children. My mom was five years old at the time. And when my mom got saved at a very young age, she didn't understand. She didn't know about the life of my grandfather except what he told her. She was too young to remember. But he told her how that he was not a good man. He told her that how he had a mouth like a sailor, if anybody understands that terminology, right? How that he, his heart was completely dark with sin. But she doesn't remember that. All she remembers is preacher dad. That's what she remembers. She remembers church planting dad. That's what she remembers. And as she got baptized in the Holy Spirit, as she was saved at a young age, baptized in the Holy Spirit at a young age, that gift was for her. But she said, I don't want to keep it to myself. She introduced me to Jesus. She introduced me to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when I was seven years old, I came to the Lord and I, I gave my life to Jesus. I had a lot of sin in my life. Anybody seven years old have a lot of sin in your life? Anybody got kids? You see, it's funny. Before you have kids, you think, oh, kids are so innocent. Kids are so, you know, just cute and innocent. Didn't, wasn't that just so cute and innocent of Sophie to do that little video? That was a cute little video, but you don't live with her. We're praying for her salvation even now. I know she's going to get saved one day. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? Man, I was seven, but I knew I was, I was not in a right place with God. I knew I was going to hell. And my mom, my dad, 
introduced me to Jesus. And at an altar, one night after a film called Thief in the Night, I gave my life to Jesus because I didn't want to go to hell. I didn't want to miss the rapture. I wanted to be with Jesus. Convicted me. And then when I was a teenager, way too many years for me, I felt like it was too many years, but it wasn't my parents' fault. It was my fault. Too many years later, I was finally baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 15 at camp. And you know what? Can I tell you that gift, even though it was passed down to three generations, never lost its power? You ever had anything old in your house passed down? I know some of you are a little bit older than I am. You ever had anything passed down from your grandma? Anybody? Passed down from your grandfather, right? Joni's got this pan. Her dad laughs about it, actually. I can't remember. Was it your grandmother's, honey? That pan? Yeah, it was your mother's, right? That pan. Can I tell you about this pan for a second? It has no handle on it. The handle's gone. We don't know where the handle is. Can I tell you something else? When you put this pan on the stove, it rocks. Because we don't know exactly why, but it's not a walk, but it walks, right? I mean, it just kind of moves around. I don't know what happened to that pan. But my wife loves that pan. Why? Because it's a beautiful pan? No. Because it's all there? No. But because her grandmother cooked in it, touched it, right? It's beautiful, but it's worn. Can I tell you? The gift of the Holy Spirit will never wear out. The gift of salvation will never wear out. It's good enough, you know. It's lasted through multiple generations. And now that I have my own children and that I was able, through my wife and myself, able to introduce Jesus to my kids and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, can I tell you it's still good? And when my son gets married next Sunday and then they decide to have children, 1.3 minutes later we're praying in Jesus' name. And we start having grandchildren. Can I tell you, even down to my grandchildren, even into the fourth and fifth generation, it is going to be glorious. Because my grandchildren, my grandfather's great-great-grandchildren are going to know Jesus and they're going to know the baptism in the Holy Spirit and they're going to know what it means to serve a living God and not a dead religion. This promise is for you. We talk about generational curses in the church, and I understand that, and we believe that, that, that people can have things passed down. But can I tell you, the Bible declares that, that curses only last for about three or four generations, but the blessing of the Lord lasts a thousand generations. Come on. The blessing of the Lord is so much stronger than any curse that the enemy could come up with. Let me say it this way. Our God is a multi-generational God. Our God is a multi-generational God. Our God is a pro-family God. Anybody who's not pro-family, you need to consider God. He's pro-family. When he revealed himself, he said, I'm the God of Abraham. And that's it. Is that it? No. How was he known to the Jewish people? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, our God, is a multi-generational pro-family God. In fact, our God is a pro-women God. I need to hear from some people. He's a pro-women God. He's a pro-men God. He's a pro-marriage God. He's a pro-creation God. Come on, he made it up. He's a pro-children God. He's even a pro-adoption God. He's a pro-life God. 
Come on. Our God is a family God. Our God is a God of the family. Which tells me something. There's no junior Holy Spirit. You've heard me say that before. There's no, there's no junior Holy Spirit and senior Holy Spirit. Can I say this? There's also no for men only Holy Spirit. There is only the Holy Spirit. I know the current trend is, is to say Holy Spirit and things like that and leave out the the, and I understand that, but the Bible says the Holy Spirit, and I like that because it says it's the Holy Spirit. There's not multiple spirits. There's one Spirit of the living God. Come on. My conviction is as we lead our children and families to Jesus, then we pray for them to be baptized in the Holy Spirit while preparing them to be baptized in water. I do believe this. I'm going to make a statement, and I know this is in my opinion, so please understand that. But I believe a child can be baptized in the Holy Spirit long before they're baptized in water. And let me tell you why. Because I believe that once a child understands, even as I did when I was seven years old, their sin and their separation from God, and that there's a Savior who can come and save them, then they're old enough to be saved. Amen? Some call it the age of accountability. It's not a, there's no word in the Bible that says age of accountability. I understand that. But there's, a, there's an understanding. So as soon as a child understands that, that gift is available to them. I believe that with all my heart. Then why would the baptism of the Holy Spirit not be available to them? Why would God say, here, you can have salvation, but you know what? All the gifts of the Spirit and everything, we're just going to hold off to your more mature. Children need to be more mature before they're used in the gifts of the Spirit. You know, they can't handle all of the fire of the Holy Spirit. Only us adults can handle that. I'll tell you what, when you've been touched by the fire of God, I, I can't handle it. Amen? I mean, it's, woo! I realize just how much I don't know the more I know Him. Our children can be touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I got to Say this, whether or not you have children in the house or have ever had children in the house, I want to encourage every house at New Day Church to be a full house. To be a full house. You say, I'm not saying amen because I don't know what you mean. That's all right. Having a full house is more than having a bunch of family stuffed into square footage. When we first moved to Texas, we thought we were going to move right into Roanoke and, and begin New Day Church. And because of some circumstances and situations, we weren't able to do that. And so we had literally, this is no lie, we had two moving trucks. Was it two? We had a moving truck and a trailer and a van. We had a trailer attached to the biggest moving truck that they had. And, I mean, that was our stuff. I mean, five kids, you know, lots of toys and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And we were moving to Texas, and we were moving into Roanoke. And because we couldn't move into a house, we couldn't rent a house because of some situations, mom and dad, Joni's parents, said, why don't you move in with us? And we thought, 
okay, that sounds like a good idea, until I drove up in the driveway and remembered. Thankfully, we dropped off some of our stuff at a storage unit first. But then I remembered as we pulled in to Abilene and as we pulled into their house, oh, yeah, they've got a two-bedroom house with an office. They had a two-bedroom house with an office, nine people. All five of our kids say they don't remember this too well. They say it wasn't traumatic. We've prayed over them. But uh, all five of them slept on the floor in that office because we thought it was going to be like two weeks. That ended up being months. We ended up selling the holidays there and Christmas. And as we were heading towards Easter, my wife said, no, by faith, we're going to get a rental house. And we did before Easter that next year. It doesn't matter how many people or if it's just one or two of you. Your house can be a full house. A house like we just read about, filled with the presence and the power of God. I want you to turn over to Acts 21 as I wrap this up. I want us to look at the last missionary journey of Paul and Luke when they landed in Tyre, which is modern Lebanon. Acts 21, we're going to skip to verse 4. It says, we sought out the disciples there and stayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. When it was time to leave, we left and continued on our way. All of them, including wives and children, accompanied us out of the city. And there on the beach, we knelt to pray. After saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the, aboard the ship and they returned home. We continued our voyage from Tyre and landed at Potamus, where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip, the evangelist. One of the seven, he had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Now, if you just read that, just like I read it, you're going to miss a lot. So I want us to slow down just for a few minutes, and I want us to look at this. Because what we just read, I believe, gives us an accurate picture of how families in the New Testament church lived and operated. Are you ready? First of all, in verse 4, it says, We sought out the disciples there and stayed with them seven days. So in other words, Paul and Luke land, and some of their party land in Tyre, modern Lebanon. They get out of the boat, and they begin to look, look for disciples, look for fellow believers to stay with and to fellowship with. They know there's a church there, and they find them. And then it says that during that seven-day period, as they're fellowshipping, through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. Does anybody know why they urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem? This was his final thing. The Spirit was speaking in every church that Paul, the great apostle who had blazed a trail for the Gentiles to come to Christ, had now come to a point in his life, and he was nearing his last missionary journey. Why was he nearing his last missionary journey? Because he was going to be martyred for the Lord, and it was going to be in Rome. It was going to be there, and they urged him, don't go, don't go. They knew something. So what does that speak to me? That speaks to me that the Spirit of the, Ho the Holy Spirit was speaking in every church that was established in the New Testament. Everywhere Paul went, and you're going to see this, the Spirit of God 
was saying to the believers, prepare because Paul is going to be martyred. This will be the last time you will see this precious apostle. Every church they went to, they continued to urge him, please stay here. We don't want to lose you, Paul. Finally, at one point in Scripture, Paul said, hey, listen, enough of this. For me to live is Christ, and it's good for you. But for me to die... It's gain. I've got a destination I'm going to. And all of us should recognize that we're all going to die, whether by the hand of a government, whether by disease, or whether by just laying back our head and going to sleep. We're all going to die one day. And when that day comes, it's going to be glory for me. Paul was looking forward to it. They were going, can you just hang on a little longer? Can I tell you, as believers, full of the Spirit, we should expect the Spirit to speak. If you want to have a house full of God, then you need to understand, be listening for what the Spirit is saying to you, to your family, and to this church. I should not be the only one speaking what the Spirit is saying in this church. Let me say it again. I, as the pastor of this church, should not be the only one that the Holy Spirit is speaking to and through. And I'll just go it a step further. Neither should it just be those who are credentialed with the assemblies of God. Mm -mm. I believe in this. I praise God for this all the time. But I'm telling you, you don't have to be credentialed for the Holy Spirit to speak to you or through you. It's time to say, Holy Spirit, if I'm full of you, I love it. But speak to me and open my mouth so that I may speak. Secondly, verse 5, he said, when it was time to leave, we left and continued on our way. All of them, I told you I wouldn't make you repeat everything, but say this, all of them, including wives and children, accompanied them to the beach, and we, all of them, knelt to pray. It wasn't just the men or even just the adults. It was the men, women, and children who were involved in prayer. Can I tell you something? Our children can pray. And when they pray, heaven listens. There's something about a child's prayer that seems so cute and innocent. But I'm going to tell you, you need to understand it's powerful. Heaven listens to our kids. Any of your oldest kids, any of you have multiple kids in the house? Anybody ever heard your kid ask for a brother or sister? That's fine if they ask you, but when they start asking God, watch out. I pray the day, Joe. Oh, never mind. Let's move on. Our kids can pray. I remember this. I'm almost done. I just want to tell you this. I remember that Joni and I, I can't remember where we went. I believe we went on a date. One of those rare occurrences in a house full of nine children. We went on a date. And when we came home, our kids, our older kids, Joe and them, were old enough to kind of watch the younger ones. To watch, quote unquote. And when we came home, our kids were on the living room floor. Now, they weren't having a sleepover. They weren't staying up watching a movie, which is what I thought. I thought, oh, my goodness, they started watching a movie. 
But they weren't. They were weeping. They were crying. They were laughing. And on the TV was a revival. I don't know which one it was. I can't remember. But one of the revivals on God TV. And our kids were crying out to God. Crying out to God. And I got to tell you, when we walked into that room, we weren't thinking, oh, oh, that's so cute. Look at our kids. They're just, they're crying out. That's so, oh, they're so cute. They're so little and crying out. To, we weren't thinking that. Because when we walked into that room, Joni and I, it was like the presence and power of God hit us. We walked into holy ground. And within a few minutes, we were on the floor. And I remember Nathan. I can't remember how old he was. They walked over to me with just that faith that's inside those children. He laid his hands on me. And I've suffered with scoliosis for many years. And he laid his hands on me. He prayed for my back. And I can tell you of a truth that I didn't experience pain in my back for over five years after that. As my child laid his hands on me and prayed for me. We can look at that as cute or we can say no. There's no junior Holy Spirit. The next generation has the power of God available to them. You see, it goes right into six, verse six. Philip, the evangelist, one of the original seven deacons, passed on family values to his children. And he had four prophetic daughters, not pathetic, prophetic. I would like to encourage you to include something to your family values. I don't know what your family values are. Wednesday, or excuse me, Thursday night, when I do the men's steak night, I know I'm going to be talking about some of those family values. But one of the family values that I think you should include is spiritual gifts. Do you value the Spirit of God and the gifts He brings in your family? You see, it's not enough to bring your family to church. It's not enough to just pray at meals. It's not enough to have cursory bedtime prayers. Now I lay me down to sleep. It's not enough to depend on children's and youth pastors to instill faith in the next generation. I, after spending 17 years in youth ministry, can tell you that too many kids leave the church of their upbringing with all of the things I just mentioned and more. But can I tell you what the number one reason that I have found that kids stay, that the next generation not only stay in church, but then begin to lead the church? And I'll tell you, the number one reason is because of their own significant personal encounter with God. When they've had a personal encounter with God, something happens. When we stop looking at little kids, and, and it's okay to say it's cute. Don't I know some of you are going to, boy, he does not like cute kids. No, I love cute kids. And I love the cute things they say and the cute things they do. But we've got to look at these kids as not just kids in the spirit. We've got to look at them literally as giants. Let us not forget that it was David who brought down the giant, and he did it filled with the Spirit. He didn't do it until he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. Then he went out and killed the giant. And all the adults, all the older brothers were there mocking him. But God anointed David to bring down the giants. Let's believe 
that God can do it in our house. Let's believe that God can do it through our children, through our grandchildren, through our nieces, through our nephews, through the next generation. Let's believe that God doesn't just have this gift for us, but he's got it for a full house, for the whole house. When the spirit comes, let it not just be, and I don't know about you, but I'm praying for revival. I'm praying to be a part of the, this next great move of God. I want to be a part of that so bad. I've been praying about it for 25 years. God, let us be a part of it. Father, I've seen you do things in the old day. I've heard of the stories. Now in our day, in our time, make them known, God. But not just for me, but for the next generation too. Let this next move of of God, if it's led by children first, so be it. God, just come and move. Come and move. Kiara, could you come back to the keyboard for just a moment? Would you stand with me? I know and I look around this room and I see some parents in this room, some aunts and uncles in this room that are so full of the Spirit of God. You love God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I know that there's there's a point that you could say, well, he's preaching to the choir. But I really felt like God wanted me to remind us today to not leave the things of the Spirit out of our households but to make them a priority. More of a priority than sports. More than a priority than music. Dare I say it, more than a priority of school. I love those things. My kids have been involved in all of them. But it grieves my heart when the church is more interested. And when I say the church, I mean the whole church. Families are willing to give up time on a Sunday morning so that their kid can play sports. I'm sorry. I don't believe that that's an old person's value. I believe it's a biblical value. I'm not giving up my time with my family. I said it not too long ago. If we, if we prioritize everything else over church today for our kids then they'll prioritize everything else over Jesus later. It's time. It's time to say, God, we want to be not just a people of the Spirit, but we want to be families of the Spirit. We want to be a house of the Spirit. Can you just lift your hands right now? Can you just recommit? Would you recommit to the Lord and say, God, I want to be I want to be a person of the Spirit. I want to be a man, a woman of God that's full of the Spirit. And I want my house to be full of the Spirit. I want, I want my children, my grandchildren, my nieces, my nephews, the next generation. God, those kids I come into contact with, some of you are teachers, just say, God, those kids that I'm coming into contact with, I want to be a witness to them, and I want to help them understand that they can be giant slayers in their day. God, I want to encourage the next generation in the Spirit. God, would you allow faith to grow in us? God, let faith arise. Let faith arise. Let faith arise. Let faith arise. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let faith arise. God, and I say to you as the leader of this house that you are the ultimate leader. You're the head of this house. Jesus, pour out your spirit in a fresh and new way on us. God, would you do something powerful and mighty among us? ask you to do something. I'm going to end a little differently than we have the last couple of weeks. Pentecost Sunday is coming up in just a few weeks. I believe it's June 7th, 8th. I can't remember the exact date. I think it's June 8th. It's coming up in just a few weeks. Would you do this with me? Would you join in prayer with me that between now and And Pentecost Sunday, with Easter, it's the most significant holiday of the church. It really is. Salvation, baptism. Jesus wouldn't even allow his workers to go out, his disciples to go out, until they were empowered from on high. Can we just agree together right now that between now and Pentecost Sunday, that we would experience a fresh outpouring of the Spirit. And this is my prayer, that not just on Pentecost Sunday, but between now and then. Listen, I haven't experienced, now we've had times in our family, good times, but I haven't experienced that, what I just described to you a few minutes ago, in a long time with my family. We've had some good times of prayer. But can we pray that God's Spirit would fill every house A new day. Man, come on, let's do it. God, we come before you in the name of Jesus, and we agree together, God, that you would pour out your spirit in a fresh and a new way. God, pour out your spirit in a fresh and a new way, God. God, pour out your spirit in a fresh and a new way, God. God, between now and Pentecost Sunday, would our families be filled, would our singles, would our couples, God, would our teenagers, would our children be baptized afresh and anew. God, would you give us an Acts 4 experience where as we gather together in prayer, God, that the house would be shaken and we would all be filled, God. God, and I'm praying you do that in every household, every place, every person, every individual in Jesus' name. A fresh outpouring. A fresh outpouring. A fresh outpouring. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. I mean, if you would, raise your hands. I just want to release the blessing on you. Lord, I just pray that each person, Lord, be blessed in their coming and blessed in their going. God, they would be blessed as they rise in the morning and blessed as they go to sleep at night. God, give them rest. Lord, just release rest this week in Jesus' name. God, we thank you for jobs and better jobs, Lord, for raises and bonuses. Lord, and we thank you for your favor in their hearts and in their lives. In Jesus' name, bless them today. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Go into peace. And we'll either see you on Wednesday or Thursday or next week. God bless you.